Romans chapter 8. We've been in a series uh, called Mind Games. How many enjoyed last Sunday with Pastor Krista? Man, come on, Pastor Krista's word was so incredible. And uh, we love Sean and Krista and uh, their ministry here. Uh, I want you to go today to Romans chapter 8, verse 5. We've been reading this scripture. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Everybody say peace. peace. Man, we, we definitely could use some peace in our world and in our lives. This scripture, as we've been talking about the power of the mind, it's this. That your, your mind has the power to make your life really good or really bad. Your life situations and circumstances are not all just determined by what happens to you. It really it really is important what happens in your mind or the way that you think about what happens to you. You have no ability to control what happens to you. You do have the ability to control how you respond to it. So all of that happens in our mind. This scripture says the mind governed by the flesh is death. Now I'm just going to help somebody that, that, that your mind has to be governed. I know some of you are like, man, I'm just like a free spirit. That's fine. You can be a free spirit, but you got a free mind, you're going to be in trouble. You, you have to govern that mind. If you don't govern your mind, it will be governed for you. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. You know, life and peace is not a gift that God gives. Life and peace are a byproduct of a mind that is set on the things of God. A mindset is established by whatever you set your mind on. Whatever you consistently set your mind on becomes your mindset. Most, most, um, most doctors that study the brain, neurologists, there they are, neurologists would tell you this, that your life will move towards or gravitate towards your most dominant series of thoughts. That what you think the most will move or draw your life. If you're thinking positive, you most likely will move in a more positive direction. You think negative, you most likely will move in a more negative direction. There is so much power in your mind. I want to go to another passage of scripture that's pretty familiar when we talk about our thinking and our thoughts. And I'm going to read to you four verses, but in these four verses, we're going to do a little Bible study today. You all right with a little Bible study? In these four verses, you usually hear three messages. There, it's usually uh, separated into three key messages that you probably all heard at some time in your Christian journey. But we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to look at how Paul wrote it. When Paul wrote Philippians, he wrote it to the church at Philippi, and he did not write it this chapter over here for this season, this verse over here for that season. It was one letter that he writ, wrote to one group of people. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice. In the Lord, how many times? Always. always. Man, you like that word? Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, just in case you didn't get the always. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. We should meditate on that just for a second. We were singing about it today, but did you know the Lord, the Lord is near. He's not far off. 
He's not slack concerning his promise. The Bible says his arm is not short, that he cannot save. The Lord is near. He's, he's close to us. It says, do not be anxious about anything. How's everybody doing on this one so far? Dude, dude you're like anxious getting in the parking lot today. It's not, I, I, I woke up with anxiety. Like, what was I going to eat for breakfast? You know, like, but the Bible says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. That means you're going to have peace. People are going to look at your life. They're going to see your peace. And they're not going to understand why you have peace in the situation that you're in. That, that's God's peace. The world's peace is peaceful situations. God's peace is in the middle of chaotic situations, you still have peace. It transcends all understanding. It will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, think with your mind, Think about such things. Fill your mind with these things. If, if you've, you've listened to Philippians taught before the book of Philippians or message about it, you've probably heard these three messages. One, you've heard one about rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Or you might be in the, in the middle section and you've heard this message, do not be anxious about anything. Once I hear that scripture, I get anxious about the verse. Because now I'm anxious that I was anxious when the Bible tells me not to be in it's a spiral. And then maybe you've heard this is whatever is good, whatever is pure. It says think on these things. But I don't know if you're like, like me or not. I sometimes have a problem with my thoughts. I'd like to just tell myself to think on the good things. But sometimes when I'm thinking on the good things, I have other thoughts. And, and, and the more I try to tell myself to think on good things, then it's like I start getting in my head is, if, is that the best thing I could think about? Or could I think about a better thing? Or now I'm mad at myself and now I'm thinking bad thoughts about myself as I'm thinking good thoughts about, it's confusing. <laughs> think about such things. You, you know, we have a battlefield in our mind, in, 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 our, in our thoughts, the way that we think and what we think about. And it's difficult just to tell yourself, do better, think more positively, think on good things when you go through real life challenges. I, I always try to, try to live in this place where, okay, I gotta think good thoughts, although bad things are happening, think good, think good, think good. But it always felt a little hypocritical to me to just think good when I felt bad. And I want to talk about some of this because when Paul wrote this letter, he was not writing three different messages. He was writing one letter to a church to help them activate their mind, to help them activate a part of their thinking that would lead them into life and peace. This is the truth. If you can change your mind, you can change your life. If, if you can change the way that you think, you can have a thousand encounters with God. But if you never change the way that you think about God, you're going to need another thousand just to stay right. You, you can pray until you're blue in the face, but if you don't change the way that you think, your, your, your mind, the Bible says this, and with our mind we serve God. 
A lot of people want to serve God with their, with their attendance at church or their giving, their generosity. You, you, you've got to put your heart, your soul, and your mind into this. My heart and my soul and my mind. Do not or try not to let your mind run wild. We must train it. This is why it says govern. We must train it to stay within our boundaries and to be fixed on the right things. Did, did you know you, your mind is malleable, which means that, that you can form patterns of thought? If you study the mind or you study neurology, thinking, the way that you think, psychology, then, then you understand that, that you can actually form the way that you think. You, you, if you are an inconsistent parent, which I know none of us are, then, then your kids learn or, or are confused by where the boundaries are. If, if sometimes it's yes and sometimes it's no, then there, it is difficult to grow up into a place of maturity that knows which one to do. I know it's just your, your, your mom's heart, your dad's heart. It's just like, oh, let's let them have it this way. But you're actually doing them a disservice because you're teaching them that there is no true line. There is no consistency. And your mind is the same way because sometimes you let it go here and sometimes you let it go here. There has to be consistency of discipline to teach yourself how to think and what to think about. And this is what Paul is writing when he writes the letter, that your mind, your mind has to be governed. So I, I want to talk about the three sections, three sections of this passage of Scripture. The first one, we're going to call it rejoice. 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 In the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. You know what I think is interesting? It says rejoice in the, in the Lord. Okay, so my joy does not come from my circumstances. My joy comes from the Lord. See, this is a problem right out of the gate. You'll never change your thinking if you didn't already pull your joy from the Lord. If you're pulling your joy from peaceful situations or from prosperity or from popularity, there is no wonder that you can't think on good things because that stuff wanes. It's here today, gone tomorrow. If you want to think good thoughts and change your mind, you have to start with drawing joy from the right place. You know, Paul, Paul was not in the Bahamas when he wrote Philippians. He was actually in a dungeon, chained as he wrote the letter to the people, to the church at Philippi. So when he says rejoice, it kind of has a deeper context when you start thinking about he was not in a good situation when he told me to rejoice always. In fact, he was lonely, and he was in prison, and he was in chains. And from that place, he says rejoice in the Lord, which tells us that what he pulled from God was he pulled from the Lord his joy. He was able to rejoice in a bad situation because he didn't pull joy from the, from, from the goodness of the situation. He pulled joy from the goodness of God. Where you draw your joy from will determine if you have lasting joy, if you can rejoice in the Lord always. Paul himself is an example of constant joy, but also constant thanksgiving. All his epistles that he wrote, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, except for those to the Galatians, 1 Timothy, and Titus, open with thanksgiving to God. 
He, he opens his, his letters with gratitude to God. He give th- gives thanks to God constantly. Do you know that there is always joy to be found in the Lord? If, if you look, there's joy to be found. You can be in one of the most stressful, discouraging, depressing seasons of your life. And if you look to the season to bring you joy, that's why you can't find it. But if you can look to the Lord, then you can find joy in every season. Sometimes I'm weeping over my situation, but I'm rejoicing in the Lord. That's the difficulty for us that have grown up in church. It's called duality. How, How do I weep over my situation, but rejoice in the Lord? I, I, I grew up in the church, and, and, and sometimes I would feel this pressure to, to do the right thing when I'm in church, to, to worship or, 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 or to check the box or to behave the right way. But even when I went through difficult times or had thoughts of doubt or confusion, I felt bad about those types of thoughts. And so I would try to just think good thoughts, think good thoughts, think good thoughts. But it never really worked for me. It, there, there was a little bit of a, a, a tear in me when I tried to just on the outside think good thoughts while on the inside be conflicted. And I think Paul addresses this because the second one, we're going to call it release. The first one will say rejoice, but the second one we're going to say release. And this is where he says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, if he just said that, that would be difficult. But he says, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, if you look up at the original language of, of anxious, that word anxious, not be anxious about anything, it actually means this, distracting care. Okay, so this is what it looks like. Don't let anything take your care but, or take your attention away from God. You know what anxiety really is? Anxiety is trusting more in the difficulty of a situation or a possible situation than in the goodness or the provision of our God. So it's a distracting care that gets in the way of our full reliance on God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Last, last night, this happened last night. Last night I was driving back from a soccer tournament and Genesis had some late game, which is just like, I don't know why on Saturday night we're playing at 10 p.m., but we were. And uh, we were playing last night and, and uh, we we're on the way home and he starts crying in the back seat. And uh, he's, he's crying and he says, Dad, I got a headache. I have a headache. Well, he's never had a headache in his life. And uh, he's crying. And uh, if Jude's crying, I'm like, okay, you know. But if Jen's crying, it's serious. All right? And so, so Jen's crying and don't tell, him, don't tell him I said that, okay? He's getting old enough to understand. Jen, Jen is crying and it doesn't go away. And uh, he says, really da- it's really bad, it's really bad. And I thought he's just tired, just lay down. He's like, no, it's bad, it's bad, it hurts so bad. And, and, and so for a second, as I'm driving, I got anxious. Because I started to think, I've, I've seen all this stuff. Oh, I've seen all these athletes that have collapsed on fields. And I've seen the, uh, all these thoughts, articles I've read years ago are coming into my mind. What is, that is the storm of thoughts that we all deal with. And in that moment, I felt anxiety. 
And I'm preaching today on do not be anxious about anything. So I, I want you to know what I did. I, I, I turned on worship music and I began to pray. But by, right, but pray about everything. So I turn on worship music, I begin to pray, and I'd like to tell you that, like, he got instantly healed. He didn't. He proceeded to, uh, I'm trying to say this politely, but he threw up all over my truck like a, like a sprinkler. Like, I, I needed reverse windshield wipers to just, literally, I, I pull, when I was pulling the truck over, it's sloshing in the back. If you drive on 121 today and you see a black Nike sweatshirt by the side of the road, that's mine. I left it there. Okay, I'm just confessing right now. It's not with me anymore. I left it. I littered. It's there. It was beyond repair. Do not be anxious about anything. So, so I felt, ang- I started praying. Things got, this is last night. I had to write this one in this morning. I started praying, things got worse. How do you live in the duality of God, I rejoice in you, God, I'm praying, but things are getting bad? And why does this always happen when Jamie is out of town? That's what I want to know. Please come home, Jamie. Why? If, if you're not careful, you will think that the Christian journey is all about thinking good thoughts and never dealing with the bad thoughts that each and every one of us are plagued by. To think that we would never have a bad desire or a temptation or a wrong thought or doubt or question is absolutely uh, insane. It means that you are not human. So this is what's very interesting. It says to cast your cares on him. So it's it's not it's not that I deny that I have thoughts or questions or doubts. It's that I bring those to God. I, I journey with God with my doubts and with my fears and with my concerns. It it doesn't say share them on social media. It, it doesn't say it doesn't say share them with your neighbors. It, it says cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And I hope you have people in your life you can share with and have conversation with. In fact, the Bible says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. What I want to try to set us free from is the thought that I just always think good thoughts and say good things. While inside, I'm afraid, I'm upset, and I'm resentful. Do do you know that if you do not go through the things that you're going through, God God is so smart. He he knows what he's doing. He he knows how he created us. Even in the Psalms, David, who is one of the most emotionally up and down people we see in the Bible, he says in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He does not say, my God leads me around the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't say, by my good confession, I will never go through. I will never walk close to the shadow of death. It says, I will walk through it. I got to walk through it. I got to walk through it. Dr. Caroline Leaf, she says this. She says, you actually, in your mind, you have to feel it in order to heal it. For so many years, I just, I just said, like, 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 just deny that I had it. Right? I didn't think, of, I don't have bad thoughts. No, I didn't think it. No, no. You know when you do that, you usually have more. 
Instead, hey God, I'm angry about this situation. I'm confused why this happened. Why would you allow this to happen? He's good. God's not insecure. He's, he's, he's not wondering like, oh man, are they not going to think I'm good anymore? He's, he knows he's good. He's God. He can handle it. You know what this scripture is really saying? It says take every distraction, every care, everything that would bring anxiety and bring it with God. Process it with him. Process your pain with him. Process trauma with him. Do you, do you know what the cool thing about God is? Whatever you bring to God, you never have to worry about staying in it. It doesn't say you're going to stay in the valley of the shadow of death. It says you're going through. You know what I found out about God? That when I cast my cares on him, he helps me journey through. You want deliverance? Then take all of this and bring it in your relationship with God. Bring him into your struggle, into your doubts, into your fear, into your journey, into your pain. And walk with him with it. It is hypocrisy to come to church and worship this God while in your head you're keeping all these things from him. The Bible says he knows the thoughts, the motives, and the intents of the heart. He already knows it. But for you to heal, you have to allow him in. If you're going to process what you're going through, it is okay to admit that you're having a difficult time, that your faith is waning, that you might be doubting. But just invite God in. You know, one of the greatest pictures of this is the man that said, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. So many of us are plagued with thoughts of if I would have had more faith, if I would have believed more, if I would have fasted more, if I would have prayed more, this would have changed or I could have done that. This, this man had doubt. And he admitted he had doubt. And Jesus still did a miracle. But you know what I think it was? I think he was vulnerable with his condition and he brought Jesus into his challenge. He said, Lord, I believe. That's my posture. Help me with my unbelief. That's my humanity. My posture is faith, but I'm not denying my humanity. Someone that says they never doubt is a liar. Someone that says they never go through challenges is a liar. Someone that, 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 that says that they never have temptations is a liar. So instead of denying it and never getting healing in it, expose it, reveal it, and bring God into it. It is only after we rejoice and then we release that we can actually do what Paul says when he says think. So I, I like to say it this way just because it all goes together. I rejoice. I draw my joy from God. I release my pain and my journey that I'm on to God. And then I refocus my thoughts. If you just try to think good, without going through these steps, you are going to, in your own human effort, just try to change your mind. But the Bible says, and we talked about this already, that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. That process that Paul talks about is seen in Philippians chapter 4, is that we draw our joy from God. We release our pain of our journey, of our ups and our downs to God. And then we refocus now our thoughts. Most people know this, but you, you can't eradicate thought. You have to replace thoughts. So now I'm going to, after I draw strength and joy from God, after I allow God to enter into my season, now I'm going to begin to think on what is good, what is pure. Paul implies that we have the power to govern our own thoughts 
and so we are responsible for them. If the thoughts are ordered well, the outward life will follow. Whatever you think about the most will grow the most. So now I have a responsibility to govern my thoughts, but the power to govern your thoughts comes from pulling your joy from God and allowing God in on your struggles. If I just stood up here for 30 minutes and told you, think about good things, think about good things, think about good things, you would leave discouraged because you would leave thinking about bad things. Or I would say it enough that you're like, can he, think, can he say anything else besides think about good things? You'd be thinking bad about me as I'm telling you to think good. It, it's, it's, it is an endless cycle unless we first draw strength from God, invite him into our struggle. Do, do you, you know, your prayer life is not just a list of requests or a 30-minute window that you spend on your commute to work. Your prayer life is connection to God. It's got to be more than Sunday morning. It's relationship. It's walking with him. I have a prayer time every day that I spend dedicated, focused time with God. But that's not the only time I talk to God. You, you, you've got to allow yourself to learn how to think about God throughout the day. When the Bible says pray without ceasing, it is not having your list out 24-7, thinking about, okay, and now I pray for Aunt Susan, and now I'm going to pray for... No, it, 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 it's, it's God, I feel, I feel anxious as I'm driving home last night. Lord, look, will your presence fill this truck, heal my... Son, be with me. I wake up this morning. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you for leading me. I got to touch your people today. Um, I'm, I'm, you journey with God. For many of us, it's, it's God is this place we visit, not this person we walk with. He's, he's more than a building. He's more than a worship service, a song we sing. Prayer is walking with God, communing with God, growing in relationship with him. And you do that by consistency. You only pray to God in your prayer time. You're missing out on the ability to walk and grow in relationship with him. There's a, there's a story in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10. And it's a familiar passage of scripture, and you probably heard it before, but Jesus is visiting one of the cities that he would visit, and we, we pick up the story with Mary and Martha, the sisters. It says in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all, distracted, remember we talked about anxiety? She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Have you, ever, have you ever said this? Like, well, I can't do that because I have to do this. I have, I have to. I ha There's so much things I, so many things I have to do. She was distracted by all the preparations. It wasn't bad things. It wasn't evil things. It was distractions. The things she had to do. She came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. I just like always try to like picture what Jesus, how Jesus said this. He's just like sitting there. I don't think it was, you know, like an exclamation. I think it was kind of like a Martha, Martha. <laughs> just shake his head. He says, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Anybody relate with that? Worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I want, I want you to think about this. Think about how distracted we are 
in our minds. It is amazing how we don't have time to do anything because of all the things we have to do until a crisis reaches the level that it cancels all of these things. I, I, I canceled something this week, and I had it, I've had it scheduled for like three weeks, and I've been waiting. I didn't want to do it, and, uh, and, and I just waiting. It's just looming on the calendar. It's right there. And, I, and then finally, there was a crisis that happened that was big enough that I'm like, hey, I can't do that anymore because of this. Right? The crisis gets big enough that now what I had to do bows to the need of the crisis. There are so many things that we feel like we have to do. Priorities on our schedule. That we, when I started pastoring the church, this is how I felt about everything. I had to do everything. If, if I didn't do it, it wasn't going to be done right. I got to do everything. I got I to do this and I got to do that. And I got to plan this. And I have to, I have to speak here. And I got to speak there. I've got to do it all. I have to. Until the in intensity of the schedule got to a point where I literally couldn't do it. And then I realized, well, I actually didn't have to do those things. There are some things that we have to do that we don't really have to do. We're choosing to do. And what we're choosing to do are distractions to our number one focus, which is to have a mind that is set on God. You were created by God. You were created for God. And you will not be happy or satisfied in this life until your life is devoted to God. Everything that we're doing in this life is not for us. It is not for my family and my little house and my little job. Everything we do in this life is for God. That's why some of us have tried to do everything and we're not happy. That's why some of us have tried everything and we're not fulfilled. Because you will not be fulfilled and you will not be satisfied until this life is wholly devoted to serving God. Jesus says there's, there's so many distractions. He says there's only one thing that is needed. Do you know what I'm praying for our church and the church of Jesus Christ that we would come back to the one thing. That our focus and our attention will come back to the one thing. You want healing in your mind? Rejoice in the Lord. Release your season. Think about good things. But listen to this. Get rid of the anxieties or the distractions that are pulling your attention away from God. I was actually studying the, the mind this week and I was reading a bunch of Dr. Caroline Leaf's writings, and she has, she has this challenge. It's like a 16-minute challenge. She says, you're supposed to like, like not, you just like go in neutral in your mind for 16 minutes. No music, no phone, no nothing for 16 minutes. That, that's like scary for me. I'm just like, man, a lot can happen in 16 minutes. It's just, I don't, I, I don't know. And, and, and so yesterday when I was studying, I, I set my timer on my phone, I said, 16 minutes. Just kidding. I woke up really early so no one was awake so I could focus. And uh, 16 minutes. And it's amazing how slow time goes when you're not doing something. And I started thinking, man, I'm, I'm so busy. I got to go here and I got to go there and I got to take care of this and I got to go to this meeting. And then all of a sudden when you strip all of it away and you turn your phone on airplane mode and you put a timer on for 16 minutes, 16 minutes feels like an eternity. Nine minutes in, I turned my phone over. I just had to look like, how long has it been? I just got to know, like, it feels like maybe the timer went off. I don't want to see her all day. 
we are so distracted, so inundated, so worried, so anxious. And Jesus says to, to Mary and Martha, he says, only one thing is needed. What you need for peace in this life is not found in the absence of trouble. It is found in the presence of God. What you need for satisfaction in your life is found in the presence of God. What you need for joy, for sanity, for controlling your mind and control of your emotions is found in the presence of God. Your job should flow out of your connection, connection with God. Your family should flow out of your connection. God is not one more relationship you manage. He is everything. And all of your other relationships flow out of him. This is how you renew your mind. This is how you have a mind that's set upon God. It's that he is all. He is in all. And then out of that, my work flows out of him. My parenting flows out of him. My marriage flows out of him. My jobs, careers, education, relationships, finance it flows out of him. One of my favorite passages of scripture in the message translation, one of my favorite one, I think it is the, my favorite one in the message translation is Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28 says, are you tired? You know what, we just kind of like wear tiredness like a badge of honor these days. Don't we? It's like, how you doing? So oh, slammed. <laughs> right? I was like, I was looking through my text message the other day and I'm like, the amount of times I said I'm slammed is embarrassing. So busy. <sighs> so, so many people to manage. It's like, man, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Get away with me, Jesus, and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. If I did this message over, I might just spend the whole time on walk with me and work with me. Because that's, that's how you live. You walk with him and you work with You don't walk in Sunday and then work on Monday. You walk with him and work with him. You walk with him and work with him. I, tell, I give my burdens. I give my challenges. I give my doubts. I give my questions, my good days, my bad. I walk with him and I work with him. This, this, Jesus can teach you how to be at rest in your mind, in your soul. I'll, 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 I'll teach you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. This is really encouraging because some of you are in crazy difficult situations and you just need to know that God is not going to smash you under the weight of of your current situation. Even when it feels like there's no way out or no way through, he says, I'm not, I'm not gonna put anything ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And this was my prayer this week. Lord, when we conclude our services and we pray, will you set your people free to live freely and lightly? Even just saying that, for some of us, it's just humorous to even think about. Like, me, live freely and lightly? Yeah, you. I'm saying to myself, me, live freely and lightly. 
that's what's available when we lean into him. Some of you might remember this at the very beginning of this service, before I even started preaching, I said something. I said the anointing is God's super on our natural. You know why many of us are anxious, worn out? Is because we've tried to live this life naturally. This life without God is hell. This life, walking with God and working with God, is light. Oh man, if I just make enough money, if I just get that next promotion, if I just get to that house, if I just move out of town, if I just, no, you can get all of that and still be anxious in your mind and your heart. It's, you can be in the middle of chaos, but I take my walk and my work. You could be grieving. You could just take your walk and your work with God. You could be heartbroken, depressed, discouraged, and you could just take your, your, your work and just walk with God. Could it be that I could live freely? Could it be that I could live lightly? Yes, you. You can. Not by your situation changing, but by you drawing joy from the source of joy. By you saying, God, I am having a hard time, but I give it to you. And by you beginning to set your mind on things above. This combination that Paul writes to the church at Philippi is the secret to a mind that is set on God. And then we read in Romans, and it produces life and peace. I want to ask if you would just stand up with me all across this place.